This episode is brought to you by Vin Italy International Academy, the toughest Italian wine program. 1,000 candidates have produced 262 Italian wine ambassadors to date. Next courses in Hong Kong, Russia, New York, and Verona. Think you make the cut? Apply now at vinitaliinternational.com. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Listen in as we journey to some of Italy's most beautiful places in the company of those who know them best, the families who grow grapes and make fabulous wines. Through their stories, we will learn not just about their wines, but also about their ways of life, the local and regional foods and specialities that pair naturally with their wines, and the most beautiful places to visit. We have a wonderful journey of discovery ahead of us, and I hope you will join me. Welcome to Wine, Food and Travel on Italian Wine Podcast with me, Mark Millen. Today we travel to Forlimpopoli in Emilia Romagna to meet my guest, Susi Partrito Silva, who is the Managing Director of Casa Artusi, a fascinating foundation dedicated to Italian home cooking. Ciao, Susie. Thank you so much for being our guest today. How are you today? Ciao, Mark. My pleasure. Just fine. Thank you. I hope the sun is shining for you in Forlimpopoli. It's a little bit dull here. It's cold, but it's pleasant. Good. Now, many people may not know where Forlimpopoli is, so before we begin, talking about Pellegrino Artusi, why don't you let our listeners know where you are and perhaps describe your beautiful town? We are lucky, Mark, because as you know, we are in the heart of Italy. John Emilia Romagna is just in the middle of Tuscany, Umbria, Marche, so the very part of the main town is um, Bologna, where the airport is, and um, the other town nowadays worldwide known like Modena, Parma, Rimini. And we are in Forlimpopoli on the Via Emilia. That street built during the Roman Empire 2,200 years ago. Okay, and there's a beautiful medieval castle dominating the town as well. Yeah, there is uh, this beautiful castle uh, welcoming people when they arrive here, you know, um, it's a flat area, so they needed walls and castle to protect the town. And uh, that is still there like a, a symbol. It's a, it's a nice landscape. Yes, it's a beautiful landscape and a beautiful town. I really enjoyed my visits to you. Now, of course, Casa Artusi is in Forlimpopoli for a particular reason, for being the home of Pellegrino Artusi. Tell us about this fascinating individual. This gentleman was a businessman and he was born in Forlimpopoli in 1820. And he will become father of Italian gastronomy. Um, he was a businessman and because of his business, he used to travel along the peninsula of Italy from north to central to south. He was in the business of spices and silk, uh, let's say uh, quite uh, unfashioned goods at that time, you know? And um, he had a chance to taste different typical dishes. And you know that in Italy, when we talk about typical dishes, we become quite serious. <laughs> he was curious enough to look for the recipes. And so during his work in life, he would 
collect recipes in the different eras of Italy. And finally, when he retired in 1891, he will decide to publish a cookbook. Wow, that's a fascinating story. So a businessman uh, traveling around Italy at a time before it was a nation, when it was still made up of different areas, the Kingdom of the Two Sicilies, the Kingdom of Sardinia, the North East ruled under the Austro-Hungarians, and the Papal States, of course, as well as the various duchies. These different countries, as they were then, uh, were, were the area that he did business in and began to taste the foods and enjoy the foods his whole working life. Exactly, Mark, you got it. Uh, we are, uh, I already named, uh, I already mentioned our Roman origin, but we have always to remind that Italy as a country is very young. We became a country, so we had what we call unification of Italy only in 1861. Mr. Pellegrino Artusi was born in 1820, so before unification of Italy. And I confirm what you said, uh, before unification, we had uh, deeply different uh, languages uses habit in uh, in in Italy. Mr. Pellegrino Artusi uh, had a kind of intuition. He understood that uh, when we travel, uh, not in like only in the past, like nowadays, and not only in, in Italy, everywhere in the world, when we travel and we taste typical dishes, we get in touch with one of the most authentic expression of the culture of a place. And he got curious about this. He was lucky because he used to be guest in the house of people. So what he had a chance to experience was the really home cooking, the very local dishes. He decided to, let's say, to take note, not only of the recipe, but about you know, information about the area, about the family used to visit. Uh, it's a kind of picture of Italy at that time. Oh, that's really, really fascinating. So Italy became a unified nation in 1861. And just 30 years later, uh, Pellegrino Artusi was self-publishing his book, with a rather grandiose title. Yeah, the book is, uh, we, you know, in Italy, as you know, Mark, we always call it simply Artusis. You know, we call the book with the name of his author, okay? Uh, but the title of the book is Science in the Kitchen and Heart of Eating. Well, do not get impressed by the word science. It's not uh, so scientific. It simply wanted to underline uh, that he was trying to give a practical manual with, uh, with advices, with a few notes, to really to help people to cook. And part of eating, well, because as you know, we are Italian. Eating for us is never only a matter of feeding. It's always a way to spend time together. It's, um, it's our lifestyle. And uh, Mr. Pellegrino Artusi, with this book, uh, really, as I already said, made a picture of Italy at that time. Uh, when you read his recipes, it's on not only ingredient and how to make it, but uh, there are notes, stories. It's a book that is pleasant to read, um, like all the most Italian famous uh, literature book. Yes, it's a fascinating and delightful book, beginning with that first opening 
Can you tell us the opening words from that first opening page is about cooking? Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Pellegrino Artusi, something that it helps to understand how he wrote this book, uh, considered that he couldn't find any editor to print the book. He had to pay himself to get his book published. Nobody trusted him, no matter if he was a uh, let's say, a businessman, a rich businessman, the answer that he got were like, we don't think there is such an interest in gastronomy. Try to guess nowadays, Mark, saying something like that, okay? But he believed in this project, and so he decided to pay to print it. And, of course, we are here talking about this, so it's clearly that he succeeded in this. And in the preface um, of the book, at the end of the preface of the prefazio of the book, he wrote, I should not like my interest in gastronomy to give me the reputation of a gourmand or a gluton. I object to any such dishonorable invitation, for I am neither. I love the good and the beautiful wherever I find them, and I hate to see anyone squander, as they say, gouts. This gives you an idea of the man, of the book, of how Italian face food. Yes, of course. Now, presumably, this man who was more than 70 years old when he decided to publish his book, he must have been a wonderful cook himself. Is that right? Well, the information we have is, let's say, historical information. I mean, confirmed by the food historian, okay? is that Mr. Pellegrino Artusi for sure used to spend time in the kitchen. So he was there. And as you know, uh, you know, 18th, 19th century, this was not so common, Mark, okay, for, for a, a rich businessman, for a, a man of the Italian bourgeoisie. But he used to spend time in the kitchen. But he was not alone. There were his two servants with him. They were Francesco. He was, uh, he was the cook. He was the, the gentleman who used to go to the market to get the raw materials uh, and everything. And this great lady, Maria, Marietta, she was her maid. She was also a cook. And what is even more interesting, Mark, uh, I don't know if you remember this, Mr. Pellegrino Artusi had trouble trying to find a lady, a maid like her, because he wanted somebody to be able to write and to read. He wanted to find somebody to help him with his book. So try to figure out, maybe, so this is not evidence, it's my personal thought, but uh, Professor Mansimo Montanari and Professor Alberto Capati were members of our scientific committed uh, confirmed this. Um, it was a kind of a laboratory with uh, Pellegrino Artusi and his two servants trying recipes several times. Because something that we didn't say is that uh, the first edition of the book that he published in 1891, he collected the recipes during his let's say, business trips, okay? But after the first edition in 1891, something really incredible happened. Mr. Pellegrino Artusi started receiving letters from his readers. You know, at that time, um, if you wanted to get in touch, only letters 
Mm -hmm. Nowadays, if you are a food blogger, you know, you have followers, you have social. <laughs> At that time, letters. So it used to receive thousands of letters with recipes inside because people wanted to get in touch with him, wanted to say compliments, wanted to ask for advices. But, you know, we are Italian, so we have always something to complain about. And uh, so they say, oh, Mr. Pellegrino Artusi, what a great book. But you forget this recipe in our family. <laughs> so in the letters, there were recipes. So Mr. Pellegrino Artusi, together with his servant, Francesco and Marietta, they used to receive the letter, go in the kitchen, test and taste the recipes in order to be able to edit in the next edition of the book. And the book kept growing and growing with each new edition. Yes, he went to Mr. Pellegrino Artusi, he went through 15 editions of the book. First edition, 1891, uh, 475 recipes. 15th edition, the last one, 1911, is a collection of 790 recipes. The 15th edition is, is the last one because in 1911, when he was 91 years old, Mr. Pellegrino Artusi died, he passed away, and, uh, you know, he was 91 years old. We love thinking that eating well could be the reason of this long life. Of course, of course, yes. Well, that is really fascinating how it evolved and and became a, um, a, a book of the moment with each new edition from all of the different corners. But it's also interesting, the language of the book. Artusi was writing in Florentine Italian, the Tuscan Italian, the language of Dante. And in a way, that was bringing together people from all over the country, too. That's correct, Mark. That is the probably one of the most important things of this book and our friends of Academia della Crusca in Florence, they love this aspect of the book because, you know, technically speaking, this is the first national Italian cookbook. It's the national, first national one because it's the first after unification of Italy, okay? And it's the first written in Italian language because after unification of Italy, with, with all the dialect that we used to speak in, in Italy, we had the, um, to choose for a common language, and we decided to choose the language of Dante, the one of the Divine Comedy. So for the first time in Italy, in, in our history, we have a cookbook written in Italian. Fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And it's a book, um, what strikes me about Artuzzi, Susie, is that he was very, very modern in his concerns. You know, the sort of things we are interested in food today, about seasonality, about buying the best ingredients. His ideas are really as relevant today as they were in his time. Yes, probably this is one uh, of the reasons why this book is still so popular, because uh, you know, Mark, that we are not talking about the past. Uh, we are talking about the book that the most important Italian editors still print. And if they print it, it's because they sell it, of course. Hmm? And when you read the book, it's not the importance, it's not the single recipe is, uh, let's say, the whole book, which represents Italian lifestyle, which represents the way 
uh, we approach food in the in the preface of the book that we already had a chance to mention. He wrote, "If you do not aspire to become a premier cook, you need not to have been born with a pen on your head to become a good one." Because we have to underline that we are dealing with Italian own cooking. Okay, so this is not a professional cuisine. Then he go ahead suggesting passion, care, procedures of method. But then he wrote, of course, you must choose the finest ingredient as your raw materials for deeds will make you shine. The importance of choosing good, seasonal, local, raw materials. Nowadays, we have all the, let's say, the scientific opinion of experts so we are quite conscious about food in the past they were not so knowledgeable about food but uh, you know those smart ladies who were working in our kitchen which means our grandmothers or grandmothers they were really smart with poor simple food but nowadays we know that poor and simple means great food, they were able to create great dishes. And those dishes still part of our life nowadays. Maybe now we use, I don't know, a refrigerator, we use a blender (laughs) when we cook, but uh, the the important, it's, it's still the same, okay? The raw materials are always the protagonist of Italian home. Yes, absolutely. Now, Susie, Pellegrino Artuzzi also liked the wines. He liked the wines from Bertinoro, from where his family lived, and the wines of Romagna. Uh, but he, he also believed that drinking should be in moderation. What, what do you think of he, he, his attitude to the importance of pairing Italian wines and foods? Well, in Artuzzi's book, he mentions wine several times. For example, every time he mentions like livers or, you know, kind of meat like that, he always suggested to drink it with white wine or to use white wine to cook it. When he he mentions few uh, wine like Marsala or... Moscato, he suggested in the recipe of pollo alla cacciatora, chicken cacciatora, he suggested to add half glass of Sangiovese or other red wine, which must to be chosen among the best. <laughs> so at that time, as you know, Mark, the Italian, the common habit, the custom of the Italian bourgeoisie was not to do wine and food matching as we do nowadays. It was a custom to serve, to offer the wine of the host, which means the local wine. Hmm? And uh, it it happened quite often, the the best match with wine and food is... uh, the local wine. You have a nice dish of tagliatelle, a Luso di Romagna, a recipe number 71 of Artusi's book with a great Sangiovese wine. Or if you taste, um, cappelletti a Luso di Romagna, which are fillet pasta with cheese, with cooked with broth, recipe number seven. They are perfect with Albana di Romagna. Of course. Yes, the local wines. Now, I'd like to our listeners to learn about 
the Casa Artusi and the work of the foundation and this great center that you are overseeing, which is really celebrating Artusi, but also celebrating Italian cuisine, home cooking in, uh, in a wonderful way. Yeah, Casa Artusi Foundation aim to spread uh, Art Pellegrino Artusi legacy. We call it, they call it the founders, of course, uh, which are the municipality of Forlimpopoli uh, and a few other in- local institutions, and together with a bank foundation, which is Casa di Risparmi di Forli, uh, they decided to create uh, Casa Artusi. You know, Mark, when we translate it, Casa Artusi should be translated like Artusi's home. But the reason why they choose Casa is not because this was Artusi's home. Of course, Artusi was born in Forlimpopoli. Very few steps from where Casa Artusi is, but it's called Casa Artusi because we are a cultural center dedicated to gastronomy, but we are entirely devoted to Italian home cooking. This is the reason why we choose Casa Artusi. So you know that um, we work in a beautiful 3,000 meter square building with uh, three different libraries which uh, are divided into the historical library, collection of gastronomy, and, uh, of course, the public library. Because when Artusi died in his will, he left a lot amount of money to his native town. And one of the things he asked for, he mentioned in his will, is, was to have public library. This gives you an idea of the man, of course. So we have three different libraries. We have a cookery school with 20 fully equipped individual stations to cook. We have conference halls. We have a restaurant, wine cellars, and of course, uh, we receive tourists from all over the world. So we have, uh, let's say, rooms uh, for seminaries. We have a bookshop. But most of what we do, I have to confess, is not is our commitment to spread this uh, legacy. So we work with the most uh, famous Italian uh, institutions like the Ministries of Foreign Affairs, like the Ministry of Culture. For example, every year we join the Settimana della Cucina Italiana nel mondo, where we used to be guests of uh, Italian embassies in foreigner countries. To, let's say, always present Italian food culture. It's not only Italian food. It's Italian food culture. Uh, This is what we do. And, um, of course, we also welcome people here to have uh, simply to visit Casa Artusi or to have a cooking class from a couple of hours to a week. Um, since our cookery school is devoted to people who are fond of cuisine, so for food lovers, hmm? uh, our schedule cooking classes are for food lovers. Of course, we also have uh, master classes for people who are already professional cook, but this we do it uh, um, upon request, as you. In fact, I one of the most interesting things I've done with you, Susie, is to attend one of your cooking classes. And it's absolutely wonderful because I was learning to make the svolia, the the hand-rolled sheet of 
pasta with eggs, as is done in Emilia-Romagna. And you had brought in to assist myself and our group the Mariette, the local women of Forlimpopoli, who were teaching us individually how to make this wonderful, magical sheet of pasta from such simple ingredients. And that's really at the heart of the school, isn't it? Pasta is a must in Emilia-Romagna. <laughs> we are in the heart of Italy, so in this year is fresh and made pasta with eggs, rolled it out, as, uh, as, as you said. And, you know, it's thanks to Artusi's book that Italian people became conscious of the huge number of pasta recipes that we had in Italy. You know, before Pellegrino Artusi, always, I mean, historically speaking, of course, pasta was not so popular. It became the most popular first course uh, from Pellegrino Artusi uh, on. And uh, so pasta has always been one of the highlights, one of the most important experts of Casa Artusi Foundation. This is the reason why when the founders create the Casartusi, also a, a cultural association of Mariette. Mariette is the name of Artusi's name, had a chance to mention that. So the cultural association of Mariette and Casartusi were born at the same time, okay? What we wanted to offer is, um, you know, if you were lucky in your life, you had a chance to learn how to make pasta with your grandmother or grandmother. Okay, it's not only a matter of technique. Is um, as I mean, I'm repeating myself. I know, but this this is really important for the Italian food culture. Is um, is is a matter of our lifestyle. Okay, so if you were not so lucky, or as quite often happen, we don't have any more time to spend, you know, with our grannies. The Mariette, they represent these, uh, our French friends would say savoir et savoir faire. Hmm? It's, it's a matter, it's a kind of le- a knowledge that goes through experience. Mr. Pellegrino Artusi, in the preface of the book, wrote the best of all teacher is experience. You can read, you can study, you can look videos, but then if you really want to have an authentic Italian experience, you have to come to live, to spend some time here with these ladies, to talk with them. It's not only a matter of ingredient and technique, it's the way they they touch the food, it's the way they talk with you. I think you You've been here, so you can you can tell people how this involves all your senses. And we are lucky to have a chance to propose to offer this experience to our visitors. And the best bit, after all, of course, is that we were able to enjoy and eat the foods that we had helped prepare. Susie, I can't wait to return to come back to Forlim Popoli to see you again. It's been really wonderful catching up with you, and uh, I'm sure our listeners will be fascinated to know the story of this extraordinary gentleman, Pellegrino Artusi, and the importance he has in Italian gastronomy even today. So thank you so much for joining me today and, and sharing your, the story of Pellegrino Artusi and the work 
of the foundation, Casa Artuzzi. It has been a pleasure, Mark, and I really hope that people will come to Casa Artuzzi to visit, to discover, to have the cooking experience. And please, don't be afraid. If you do not succeed in the cookery school, we have nice wine. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you, Susie. And I hope to see you soon. Ciao. Ciao. Thank you, Mark. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Wine, Food, and Travel with me, Mark Millen, on Italian Wine Podcast. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe right here or wherever you get your pods. Likewise, you can visit us at italianwinepodcast.com. Until next time, chin chin. I'm Joy Livingston, and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love, and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production, and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests, and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.